Thank you, Brother Jim. So prayer is one of the hardest spiritual disciplines. Uh, many struggle with other spiritual disciplines as well, such as reading the Bible. But when you read your Bible and you get a Bible reading plan, uh, there's at least some some measurement that you can do. You can say, well, I've, I've read this many chapters, and you can look back and be like, hey, I've covered this much scripture, and I'm making progress, and you can, you know, you can measure where you're at. But with, with prayer, it, it's hard to figure out how much ground you've covered. Uh, you know, there, there's not that really clear, well, I've, I'm, I'm doing really well in prayer because I've done this much, or I'm not doing as well because of this, or the answers have been coming this way. But, you know, and so there's not a really good way to measure prayer most of the time. And, and practically, I would say the best way to do this is to have a prayer journal or a prayer list that's detailed that you kind of you, you keep records of what you've prayed for so that you can see God answer those prayers. I don't really have a verse to exposit based on that, but we do see a lot of remembrance. We have a remembrance issue, uh, and we'll talk about that later as well. But, but I think it's a tremendous faith, faith builder when you look back and you see what God has done and you see how you've poured your heart out in these certain ways in prayer and how God has moved along. I know me personally, I can look back and I'll look at updates in my prayers for other people or for, for my family or for different, and I can watch God work and I can see those answers and it really does help me personally. In order to see the value of prayer, though, we don't really need to look too far. Our scripture today, will see the Apostle Paul and how he feels about prayer. If we look at all of his letters, he almost starts every one of them off with thanksgiving and prayer. And then you'll see teachings of prayer interspersed through many of them as well. Paul was a man of prayer. He teaches through it throughout. So let's go ahead and just jump in and see what he teaches us today through the inspiration and writing of the Holy Spirit through him in Colossians 4, 2 through 4. So join me as we read God's word. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word and to declare the mystery of Christ on account which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. God, uh, prayer can be, can be hard. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful blessing, but but we're just a simple people, and we're a sinful people as well. And, and we can so be so quick to forget you, so quick to forget prayer, so, so quick to not make it the priority we need to. So God, as we, as we study your word today, may you open up our hearts and our minds to receive this truth and to have a higher view of prayer once we're done today. And may you help us to, to do better in that through the power of your Holy Spirit working in us. Help us to be changed and sanctified and made more like you. We love you. Amen. So today we're going to have five points, and that doesn't mean the message is going to go two hours. So you're good there. Uh, there'll be five shorter points, and you're like, oh man, I know how long he spends on a point normally. So sometimes we can only get two of them. Uh, this will be five, but, but no, these will be a little bit more rapid succession. So, uh, so we're going we're to start with the first one, and believers should be a people of prayer by praying persistently. There's going to be a lot of P's in case you're wondering, so I'm going to try not to, you know, miss like the Peter, you know, Piper pick the peckle pip. I'm, I'm going to try not to do that as we're going here. So let's start in, in verse 2 here. And it says, continue steadfastly in prayer. So we're going to focus in on that first part. Continue steadfastly in prayer. So Paul commands his readers to be steadfast in prayer. And this word steadfast, the Greek word here means to persist in and to be devoted to. And it can also mean to be engaged. And I love that, that particular interpretation because it kind of reminds you of like getting ready for war being engaged in. 
And we're all in a battle, right? It's called spiritual warfare. There's, there's forces of evil that we cannot see that are constantly attacking us as believers and also that are attacking unbelievers as well. And so there's this constant battle that we're engaged in. A lot of times we, we don't see that battle. A lot of times we, we get so focused on our tasks, our jobs, our families, all these things that we miss what's really going on in our lives. And so we have to see that battle. We have to see that the weapons that we use are not of this world, right? Uh, we're, we're, we're using the Holy Spirit. And we need to see that as a necessity to be plugged into the power of God. And there is no greater way to be plugged into the power of God than to be in prayer and walking with God in prayer. It is through that that we can fight the good fight, as 2 Timothy 4, 7 says. It's through that fellowship that we can be empowered to be able to live the Christian life. But prayer can be difficult. I, I know we all can have difficult times in prayer. Sometimes you're praying and you feel like they're just bouncing off of stars in the universe and they're just kind of going into nowhere, right? I mean, I know we can all feel that way sometimes. Sometimes uh, we, we keep praying and we're being persistent, we're doing this, and things aren't getting any better. Maybe they're even getting worse in our life. You're like, all right, Lord, I've been lifting this up and, and my kid is still not obeying, you know, or my, 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 ch- my adult child is still doing stuff they're not supposed to be doing. I've been praying about this for 30 years. Why is it not better? Yet God commands us to continue praying despite how we feel. We've learned about how we feel and how, how we feel isn't truth. The word is truth. God is the truth. Jesus is the truth. And he promises that he hears our prayers that are in Jesus' name. So we must keep persisting in prayer even when we don't feel like it, even when we feel like we're not making any steps because we are. Because as we continue steadfastly in prayer, we remain in an unbroken fellowship with God. It's, it's bigger than just bringing a bunch of requests to God, like a genie saying, can you please fix this, fix him, fix her, fix this, fix my kids, fix my parents, fix, you know, that's not, how, that's not what the, the, the main thrust of prayer is. Yes, we are to make our requests known to God, as we see in Philippians 4, 6, to cast our cares upon him. But prayer is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Prayer is about a, conver- a conversation that never ends with Jesus Christ. And that's why we see that we're to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. You pray continually or pray without ceasing. We should remain in an open dialogue with God throughout our day. There should not be a time where we're not cognizant or aware of Christ. That doesn't mean we're like this all the time. That doesn't mean that we're always, you know, in an actual, what we would consider a formal prayer. We should be cognizant or, or uh, you know, talking to God, walking with God. And John MacArthur put it this way. Praying at all times is not necessarily limited to constant vocalizing of prayers to God. Right? You don't have to be continue just talking to God all day. He refers to a God consciousness that relates every experience in life to Him. So it's not something we just do when we're done. It's fellowship with God. So we should look at prayer not as, oh, i got to get my prayers done, I need to make sure I pray, and I feel obligated to pray. I'm not, no. You know, we need to look at it as, as God consciousness, that the, the, our Father in heaven who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, that God, Jesus Christ, who died for us, for our sins, so that we can live with Him forever in heaven, desires a relationship with us. And through that fellowship with God, He strengthens us, and He walks with us. And one important reason we need to always remain in prayer is it kind of goes right into our, our second point. We need to be steadfast in prayer because believers should be a people of prayer by praying proactively. If we'll go back to verse 2, so pray, praying proactively. And in verse 2, we saw continue steadfastly in prayer. And the next two words we see here, being watchful. 
being watchful. So the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Uh, so so uh, Jesus said that I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. We see that in John 10.10. 10. So you know that the enemy wants to, to take us down. We talked about spiritual warfare already. So th- there are these forces of evil, but we have the force of Christ. If we are in Christ, we are a new creation. And so while the enemy is trying to destroy us, Jesus says, I've come to give you abundant life. How amazing is that? Abundant life. And abundant life comes from proactively and watchfully walking with Christ. It, it, it comes when you're walking with Christ minute by minute, hour by hour, the enemy of your soul will have a lot less room to tempt you, a lot less room to do things because you are cognizant of God. You are walking with Christ. came up with this, this quote here. It is much easier to see darkness, the darkness of sin when you are walking continually in the light of a Savior. I'll say that again. It is much easier to see the darkness of sin when you are walking continually in the light of a Savior. So when we begin to see prayers proactively fighting sin, that we need to make sure that we are walking with Christ minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, because the enemy of our souls is coming after us. We're in a war, and so we need to stay plugged in to the only person that can help deliver us, right? The only person that can get us through these things, because Friends, we're only one moment away from falling into sin headlong at any point in our lives. We are weak. We are not good. And we must be actively fighting sin, not by our own power, but by the power of Christ. And prayer is a way that we can do that. As we talked talked about, you know, just a few minutes ago, it needs to be throughout the day. We need to be praying to the omnipotent, all-powerful God who created the heavens and the earth. He spoke things into existence. He is that great. And I liked what F.F. Bruce, a theologian, said here. Men and women of persistent prayer are those who are constantly on the alert, alive to the will of God and the need of the world, and ready to give an account of themselves and their stewardship. In other words, people of prayer are ready for the Lord to appear at any point and take them home because they're walking with the Lord. Jesus said what? Matthew 25, 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So we need to be persistently and watchfully ready for, for God to come. And that comes by being persistent in prayer and being watchful and proactive in prayer. And I pray that we are people that are prepared for our Savior. Man, it's going to be a great day. But we pray that we are watchful and alert. All right, the third one, believers should be a people of prayer by praying perspectively. And so let's get back to verse 2 here. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Talked about that, being persistent, being watchful, so being proactive, making sure we're walking with the Lord, in it with thanksgiving. In my baptistic desire for alliteration, which means all the words sound similar, I know, it's a little bit of an OCD thing, sometimes I can't make it happen, but today I could, and the reason was perspective. When I started thinking about praying with a perspective, uh, we all have a worldview or a perspective in anything that we do right? So we either have a worldview that there is a God or there is not a God. We have a worldview that there is truth or there's not truth. But then when we pray, we need to have a perspective as well, because we could pray with a perspective that God may or may not hear me, or we pray with a perspective that God does hear me. And I think one of the best perspectives we can have when we pray is one of thanksgiving. And the reason that that is so important, and the reason thanksgiving should really start, your, your, your prayer should start with praise of how great God is and thanksgiving of how great God is and what he's done. Because what that does is it's a faith builder. It helps you to look back and say, this is what you've done, and you've done some great things. And I know that you can handle what I ask for. 
because I've seen you do a lot bigger stuff than what I'm asking for. I've seen that you have made all of this by your spoken word. I see that you hold us on the earth, as we've talked about before, through gravity. I I see that you hold everything by the power of your word. And praying with thankfulness also protects us against discouragement because we're going to have those prayers that aren't answered nearly as quickly as we'd like them to be answered. And sometimes the the, the prayers are going to be answered with a no. And that's tough. Or a later, and you're like, oh, really? Do I have to wait more? You know, those, those prayers maybe, and we can get really discouraged, but when we're thanks, thankful, when we think about the things that God has done and what he's given us, what he's done for, for us, it really helps us to face what is coming. We shouldn't be in denial. I know you meet some Christians, and, and they're, they're, they're just so positive that it makes you kind of sick. Have you ever met that person where it's just like nothing's ever wrong? And I know that's, I, I praise God for people that maybe really are, that, that positive, but I think we all have to admit that the world kind of stinks sometimes. We have to admit that, that sometimes your day is just not good, but we don't have to stay there. We, we can see our situation. We can call it what it is. Our health may not, may not be where we want it to be. Our checkbook may not be where we'd like it to be. Uh, our, our relationships with our family may not be where we'd like them to be, but we know that we have a God who holds everything and is all-powerful, and we can go to him in Thanksgiving knowing even though these situations are rough, we have a lot to be thankful for. Eternal life through Christ would be the most thankful that we can, that we can be. And we can rejoice like the psalmist here uh, as we see Psalm, uh, Psalm 28, 7. And the psalmist is, is obviously struggling at this point, but he looks to the Lord and he says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. My friends, we have a defender and a protector the lifter of our hearts, the lifter of our heads, the one that holds us in the palm of his hand. We have the Lord of lords and King of kings who is all-powerful. There's nothing that he cannot do. How amazing is that? And when we, when we go to him in thanksgiving and we pray with that type of a perspective, seeing him for who he is and what he's done and how great that he is, I can promise you that that will be a catalyst to your faith. As you say those prayers over and over again, as you persist in those prayers, as you proactively pray, it's going to be a catalyst to increase your faith when you look back and you see what he has done and you're thankful. Moving on to our fourth point, believers should be a people of prayer by praying precisely, precisely. This is Colossians 4.3. We're going to start with just the first part of this verse. At the same time, pray also for us. So precise means that it is informed praying, right? So precision is concerned with exactness and thoroughness. It's being right on the mark. And prayer that is, that is informed prayer is usually more effective. Paul's asking the believers in Colossae to, to lift he and Timothy up, right? They, so so he's, in, he's in prison at the time, and he's asking them to make intercession for him. In order to understand this intercession, I think we need to start with Christ, who is our great intercessor, as we see in Hebrews 7. So Hebrews 7.25, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to, to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So all of our prayers as believers, when we lift them up, they go through Christ. And Christ takes our sinful flesh, he covers it with his righteousness, so that our prayers are seen as righteous and coming through Christ. How amazing is that? That's called the imputed righteousness of Christ. His righteousness is, covers us, and our wretchedness has been placed upon him and, and nailed to the cross. How, how beautiful is the gospel that he's taken our, our sinfulness? And we are commanded on top of that. So he is our example, and he is our intercessor. He's the only intercessor. He's the only one that we can pray 
through. It has to go through him, through his blood, covered by his blood, in order to get to God so that it is, it's, it's not tainted by our sinful flesh. That's why we don't pray to other people. We don't pray to saints, and, and, and that's why the Bible doesn't teach that, because he is our great intercessor. But what it does teach is, is that we should intercede on behalf of others to Christ. And that's called intercessory prayer that we do for, on, on behalf of our, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? And so in order to pr- pray precisely, we have to know what's going on in each other's lives. And I think that's one of the biggest issues in, in our churches across America is a lot of times there is that stained glass masquerade. It's like, oh, I don't want to let anybody know things are tough in my life. You know, I don't want to make sure I come, I, I, I save face, people know that I'm, I'm holy, I'm good, I got my, my get-out-of-hell-free card, and so we're, we're good to go. And it's like, that's not how this, this life works. Because even if you are saved, and I pray that everyone here is saved, that we are covered by the blood of Christ, you're still on this earth. And this earth, it, it hasn't been saved. It hasn't been redeemed. It hasn't been made new. It still is affected by sin. The people on it are still affected by sin for the most part. Very few people are born-again believers. And even us that are born-again believers, we still sin. We still sin against each other. We still, we still blow it at times. And so it's so important to, to make connections with believers, to have people over to your home, uh, to talk afterwards, after church, to, to be engaging in relationships outside of here, because we need somebody to be able to be real with, to share prayer requests. Uh, prayer requests. I, I realize that, that in a large group setting, maybe that's not the best place to say, hey, I've got this really personal sin. I, I get that, but we need to have a mentor, someone in our life that we can be real with, someone who's trustworthy that we can be real with. And if you don't have somebody like that in your life, you know, talk to me. We'll see if we can't get you plugged in with somebody to kind of start forming those bridges. That is one of the hearts of our church, that we are a family of believers, and that means that we're doing life together outside of here even. And we need to make sure that we are precisely praying, that we know what's going on in others' lives, that others know what's going on in our life, that we're transparent, that we're real. And to understand the power of intercessory prayer, there's two main points here that it relies on. And number one, intercessory prayer relies on faith. God honors faith-driven prayer. And in James 1, 6 through 8, James says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. My friends, God honors faith-driven prayer. By taking that perspective of thanksgiving that we just, we just kind of finished with, we just talked about, we can pray in faith because we know, as we said before, that God has done so much before that is so big that we know that he can do whatever comes our way. Whatever we, whatever we ask of him, we know that, we, that he can do it. Now, we don't know that he will do it, and that's where the next one comes, foundation. So although we know he can do anything, he, all, he can do all things, there's nothing that he cannot do as long as it's not sin. We also know that our prayer needs to be founded on Christ and his word and according to his will. We pray in Jesus' name. We pray through the power of Christ. And we pray because we know that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so our prayers are founded on Christ. We also need to know that we can pray only because of what he did on the cross, as we talked about with his righteousness covering us. We pray through the gospel. We pray because we know that we are weak, that we can't do it on our own. We, we pray because we know that it is, it is based on that fundamental uh, understanding that Christ is our solid rock, that our hope is set on nothing less, right, than Jesus Christ, Jesus' love and righteousness. 
And we know that we need to pray according to his will. And, and 1 John 5.14, which we went through the book of 1 John last year, John says this, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The foundations of our prayers should be on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and his will. And as we lift up those prayers, as we lift those prayers in thanksgiving, as we persist in those, as we're proactive in those prayers, may we realize that it should not be our will that's done, it should be Christ's will that's done. And now we pray with faith and not doubting that he can do anything. We pray in thanksgiving because we look back and we're like, wow, you've done all this. That increases our faith. We know that he can do it. But we also know that sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is later. But we continue to persist. We continue to seek him because he is our foundation. He is our rock. And finally, we see that believers should be a people of prayer by praying providentially. By praying providentially. And let's read the rest of this here. So he just said, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So finally, we come to this last aspect that Paul exposits for us, and he, he really says we need to pray evangelistically, to pray evangelistically. So, so by this providentially, he is praying for an open door. And this open door, we actually see this, this same phrase in Acts 14, 27, uh, where, where we see Luke write this. And, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they all declared that God, uh, all, all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And this open door uh, m- metaphor that we see here uh, is, is preparing a way, opening a direction, a way for them to be able to share the gospel. And, and Paul has seen God do this so many times, so many times where it looked like the door was closed and he would open it. Or maybe the door would be closed, but he'd open a different door and move him to somewhere else like Macedonia, as we see in Acts 16. And note that his, his focus whenever he's praying this for this open door, it's on the gospel. It's not on his freedom. He's in prison, as we've talked about already. But it's, but it's on the gospel. He, he didn't see that he, at this point, he's aged He's been beat up, I don't know how many times, you know, he's been, you know, 40 minus 1 lashings multiple times, he's been shipwrecked multiple times, and he doesn't just say, Lord, I just want to retire and relax, take it easy, get me out of prison, just help me. No, he, he, he's not praying about his freedom, he's praying about the gospel, and he uses two different um, phrases and words here for uh, the gospel, and the first one is, is the word, is the word, and the second one is the mystery of Christ, so the word and the mystery of Christ. And the word's pretty self-explanatory, right? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So, so that one's pretty easy. So Christ is the word, spreading the word would be spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what about this mystery of Christ? This term mystery in the New Testament usually refers to the Old Testament. It's something that was said in the Old Testament that, that wasn't explained completely. So it was still a mystery, this to be revealed, like Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Uh, or, or even going back to Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelium, which is the, the first gospel, this point to a Savior that would come and right the wrong of Adam and Eve's sin. As the Passover lamb, which was a re- representation of Jesus Christ. And so the mystery was, was salvation, and it was made not a mystery anymore. It was illuminated by Christ, and he fulfilled that mystery. And so when, when, you, when you see him say this mystery of God, or the mystery of Christ, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ as well. So he's pretty much saying the same thing back and forth there. 
I want us to come back to the end of verse 3 in a, uh, in a second, but I want us to look at, at verse 4 as we move forward. So he says, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So Paul not only wanted to spread the gospel, he wanted to do it well. Uh, he wasn't just saying, ah, you know, I just want to make sure I tell a few people out there, but I don't really, you know, I'll just, I'll just kind of half-hearted kind of do this. He, he wanted to do it excellently. And I pray that each person here knows how to share the gospel excellently. And if you don't, I'd love to work through you with that. And, and we can do some classes. We can even, you know, do whatever. If you really struggle with sharing the gospel, you just can't articulate it, let's talk about it. Let's make sure you, you grasp the whole concept. And, and, and I think the first thing is making sure you grasp it yourself and then being able to share it with others there as well. I, I think it's sad that I think a lot of us, we hear that word ought. And, and in, in English, the word ought is, I probably should, right? So, you know, I ought to clean my room, right? So you hear, you'll hear a kid say that. Does that mean they're going to go clean it? No, not necessarily. It'll probably be okay if they don't, but they ought to clean their room. You know, I, I know I ought to cut the grass. Does that mean you're going to cut the grass? If it's kind of warm outside, you might not. You might be like, I ought to cut it today, but I might cut it tomorrow. Um, so we kind of have this view of ought as it's optional. Well, actually, this, this Greek word for ought is actually uh, a, a, compulsive, a compulsory or compulsory word. It actually means that you have to. It's a mandate. And so we are given the same mandate that Paul says here. Is he says, I'm mandated by God. I'm I, not I ought to. It's I'm going to preach the gospel because I have to. I'm, I, I, it's, it's compulsory to me. We get that from Jesus as well, right? Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It's go and preach the gospel, right? I mean, we're, we're to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have that as well. And I pray that we're being obedient to that, just like Paul was. That, that it's not just, it's may, it may be something I get to. I may just go and tell people about the gospel. Well, Paul understands at this point that he's in prison. He, he re- realizes that he can't do and go where he wants. He can't do what he wants to do, go where he wants to go. But he also realizes that the prison that he is in isn't anything like the prison that unbelievers are in, that they're going to be in for all eternity if they do not come to a saving knowledge of Christ. That prison is going to be a place called hell, a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place where there's torment and torture, eternally apart from God. And so as he sees this small representation of prison as he's in, he sees this eternal prison that these people will be in, and so he, he ought to go and share the gospel with them, and he does, and he is, he's mandated, and he can't help but to do it, and he wants to do it well. He wants to, to see people believe in Jesus Christ who came and died on the cross for our sins some 2,000 years ago and rose from the dead three days later and now sits at the right hand of God ready to intercede, as we read in Hebrews 7, ready to intercede on our behalf to the Father so that we are saved forever, that we have heaven with him. How amazing is that? Yet it was, that, it was this gospel preaching that did land him in prison. As we see, we go back to the end of verse 3. It says, on account of which I am in prison. Now this... This prison, uh, imprisonment, uh, Paul had three imprisonments. Uh, This is his second one, which is in Rome. And we see uh, during this time he wrote this book, Colossians, as well as Philippians and Ephesians and Philemon. And we see this summarized in Acts 28, 30 through 31. And I I love love how it's summarized, the end end of Acts. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, without hindrance. Paul's in prison, and he's sharing the gospel. I just, I love that. He's not saying, oh, woe is me. I wish I could go to the beach. I wish I could go do what I want to do. I wish I could. 
No, I mean, he's, he's sharing the gospel with anybody that comes in his contact. And frankly, he's sharing the gospel with some big wigs. He's in, he's in Rome. And so there's some people that he's sharing the gospel with that know some really important people. So he's able to do this. And it says that he does it with all boldness and without hindrance. I love that. I love that last one, without hindrance. What is hindering your prayers today? When you look at your prayer life, what, what seems to be holding you back from, being, from walking more closely with the Lord? Is it sin? Is it a lack of faith? You know, what, what is it? Is it a lack of, of focus on your thankfulness? Uh, are you just not really thankful for what he's done? Do you, do you forget what the Lord has done? Do you forget him saving you? Do you forget the answered prayers that you've had in your life? And does this forgetfulness weaken your faith? This is a reason why Israel was commanded by God to, enact, to erect certain monuments. And we see the 12 stones that are erected after uh, God parts the Jordan River and they walk across the Jordan River during flood stage uh, and he has them take 12 stones out of that river and make a monument so that they can look at it and remember and they, he said not only do, do you need to remember this tell your children this is what the Lord has done I think that's why it's so important to keep a record of our prayers whether it's a prayer journal or a prayer book or you know just a list where you write some details update it every once in a while because we need to be able to look back and say Lord I know right now this is how I feel. I feel alone. I feel helpless. I feel like you're not listening. I feel like uh, there's this distance, this chasm between us. But when you look, I know how I feel is wrong because I know that you do hear me. I've seen you hear me here. I've seen you hear me there. And I've seen you do this in this person's life. I've seen you do this in my life. And I know that you hear me. I know that you love me. I know that you, you fulfill your word. You tell me and command me to pray to you. And I know that you hear me. Maybe you just struggle with perseverance right? Are, are your prayers hindered because of a lack of steadfastness? Maybe you're just a quitter, and you're like, well, I prayed once, and it didn't, nothing happened, and so I don't pray anymore. Well, I pray that you repent of that, because God is a God who honors persistent praying. He commands and honors persistent praying. Push through it, my friends, and ask God to help you to have more faith. Ha ask God to help you have more perseverance and character and hope, which increases your faith, right? Keep pressing on. He hears and answers our prayers today, just like he did in Paul's time. As we come to a close, I'm reminded of the old pastor Charles Spurgeon. I'm, I'm, I love Charles Spurgeon, just reading about him and, and what he did. And Somebody came to his church whenever he was uh, at, 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 in London. He had a tabernacle in London. And he's being shown around the building by Charles Spurgeon. And Charles takes him, takes him down into uh, the, the lower auditorium, uh, right below where he preached, and he says, do you, you want to see the powerhouse of this ministry? And I'm sure the guy was thinking, oh, there could be all kinds of, what's this going to be? They have like a big copy machine down here? Uh, is, is, is there like a, you know, today we think, is, are there a bunch of servers? You know, what, what do you mean powerhouse? You got a, you got a generator? Like, what, what does he mean by that? And, and so they go down in there and he says, it is here that we get our power. For while I am preaching upstairs, hundreds of my people are in this room praying. How amazing is that? So you see Charles Spurgeon, who's this like booming, gifted preacher, one of the, probably one of the strongest preachers in the history of the church with this just presence that he had. And even he knew his, his power didn't come from his abilities. His power didn't come from his intellect. His power came through the prayer of the people, through God himself who worked through that. And I pray that we're a church like this. I pray that you all are praying for my sermons. I pray that you all are praying for our church's ministry. And I pray that you're covering your own lives in prayer and what you do in your ministries and your jobs and, and your families. That we're a people that, that, that see prayer as just as important, if not more so, than actually doing stuff. 
we're going to be talking about walking the walk uh, a little bit ne- next week. We're going to talk about you know practicing what we pray. But it's so important that we are a church of prayer because we have to realize that that our work our work's done in these fragile human vessels, and so everything that we do is going to be marred by that fact that we aren't perfected yet, that that our we're not glorified, that we do sin, and that we can't do anything really right apart from God. And so as we think about that, we do realize that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, though. So even though our bodies have not been perfected, they've not been renewed, we don't have our new glorified heavenly body, we do know that we have the Holy Spirit that indwells us and that can work through us and in us. And so as we pray and we walk with God, we know that He, he can help us stand firm against the enemy of our souls. He can help us persist in prayer. And I pray that as we think about that, that we do all five of these. Pray persistently, pray proactively, pray perspectively, pray precisely, and pray providentially. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we are a people of prayer. I pray that we see it not as just something that we should do, that not as just a, a checkbox to, to mark off in our life, but something that we do continually. May we walk with you in consciousness of you, and in relationship with you. Forgive us for not doing a good job at that as the church, uh, just the church in general, in America especially. Because our needs are almost always met without prayer even, uh, but because you've, you've blessed our nation so much that we have our daily bread, that we, we can usually pay our bills, that we can usually get things done. It might be tight, it might be difficult, but, but God, uh, there's usually a way to make it happen. And so because of that, it sometimes really hinders our our reliance on you and so forgive us for for forgetting you at times because of the wealth of this nation and god may we be a people that realizes that that you are our daily bread that that we need you that we need your word that we need to walk with you we need to talk with you because even though we might have maybe what we need maybe we have the food that we need maybe not if not god may may you draw us to you even more so there and help us to be, be in prayer but if we do may we realize the enemy of our souls is, is coming after us, God, and that we need to be walking with you, plugged into you, so that we're able to see clearly through the light that you provide through your word and through walking with you. God, we love you. We praise you. Help us to go out and share the gospel with those around us. Help us to pray for others who are not believers uh, and to lift things up to you, Lord. We love you, praise you, and thank you. Amen. Have a blessed week.